You're listening to a Tataiahoro Core Education podcast. You may not like the word change, but you'll like the word irrelevant even less. More than many other occupations, teaching requires all of you. Kia ora. Kia ora Lex. So, I'm just going to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Carl Summerfield. I'm a Tatai Ahoro facilitator. I also work in the Linear Experience team. And I'm here with Lex. Lex, I'm just going to ask you to briefly introduce yourself. Well, tēnā kōrua. Ko Lex Davis Ho. Delighted to call you my friend and to also be connected to the Tatai Ahoro Fano. And now I'm back in the school sector as um, Tumuaki Tūrua at Ormiston Senior College. Fantastic. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Yeah. Saddle sores and all. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so Lex, I was just going to say, one of the things that I have always appreciated about you, and one thing that came through very strongly in your session, was just how safe you make us all feel. And I think a part of it is the way that you're prepared to make yourself a little vulnerable in front of us. And you talked a little bit about those times you cried by the side of the road <laughs> and I wonder if you could tell me about the importance of of being of, of authenticity and of bringing your all of yourself to your mahi. That's a yeah that's a, a really deep question I guess more than many other occupations teaching requires all of you but more than that I think we're safest and most successful when we recognize that it does because I could try and deny that it doesn't take all of me to get up every day and, and do what we do, or I can just acknowledge that and then work with it. That time I cried by the side of the road was just talking about two times. One where I was coming to terms with who I was in terms of te ao Māori and my taha Māori, and that was just being confronted, pulling over before I drove to Rāpaki Marae to begin a term of learning in full immersion, and that was terrifying for me. And I've just come from Oku Kamiha Meha, um, at the session with Hannah and Stacey and Janelle. And they've gone through that same trauma with their reo, um, and it was really lovely to hear such esteemed people going through the same things. Absolutely. And that, for me, about pulling over on the side of the road before Rapaki was like recognising that actually I bring all of the wonderful things that make me a great teacher but I also bring all of the trauma and so do our kids so it was allowing yourself to meet them as a whole person you know face to face kanohiki te kanohi eye to eye and accepting that and the other time was recently known that it's real hard to do our job and it's okay to pull over and cry on the side of the road because actually I needed to, I needed to, and it's important that we share that, you know, I'm no superhuman, and nor should I expect people who work with me to be, and nor should I expect the students who learn and be with, with me. Yeah. I mean, you sometimes hear teachers say things like, you know, never smile before Easter and things like that, and I often wonder, how can you be like that? How can you not come and try and be yourself? Oh, it's an yeah. irresistibly human profession. I heard, we're familiar with the phrase leaving your language at the school gate, but I was just reflecting on that and going, well, what part of the school gate is a sieve? You know, who decides that I leave part of me when I walk through that every day? Actually, I don't want to sieve parts of myself out because it's hard or because it's challenging or because some people don't think I should. Actually, I'm going to walk through that gate as a whole. And I think our kids do too. Yeah. yeah. 
absolutely. Now, we talked a little bit about how safe, I believe, the atmosphere that you created in that session was. Like, it really did feel like we could ask you questions and that you were, yeah. So I just wanted to talk about uh, keeping ourselves safe, even as we bring our whole selves to teaching. And how do we be vulnerable with our colleagues and students and still keep ourselves safe? That's a really, really important question as, I, as I've come back to the classroom and also in a leadership role is that sometimes we can't like uh, that's actually that's the price I pay for sharing my whole self is sometimes people will choose to use that against me but that's also a reflection of where they're at and who they are you know hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. so uh, I guess even though sometimes that might hurt I I know that even if it feels personal it's not you know they don't actually know me. They, you know, um, students don't actually know know my full story or you know know who I am, and that's okay. And it's okay if they make mistakes, and it's okay if they lash out, but it still doesn't make it you know any less painful. So, mm. as a teacher and as a, a school leader, you got to go well. Who are, who are your who's your network of support for those times when you do need to pull over mm. on the side of the road? Who are you going to call? And I called someone and I reached out to them and they helped me. Nice. But also the benefit of, of that vulnerability and that transparency in who you are is that you take, a, you know, it's not to be hidden. You take away the effect, you know. So if someone says, ooh, Māori, like, yeah, I am, and I'm really proud of that. Or, ooh, gay, yeah, I am, and I'm really proud of that. You, ha I have to reclaim it. I have to take ownership of that because I can only control how I react. And I also want to role model for those people who are more vulnerable than me. The visibility of who you are is so important because you just don't know who else needs to see you, needs to hear you, needs that support. So that's a real treasure that sometimes you might not know about or you don't know the impact you have when you take a risk and you show or be your authentic self. That's amazing. And it takes a certain level of bravery and I guess for you, resilience and probably a lot of practice to get yourself to the point where you can bring yourself authentically to what you do. Oh, absolutely. And you're the sum of all of your experiences. Like I was lucky enough to go into Kōrero, I hear the from Ella from Inside Out and Jerome about how we approach gender. And I was reflecting on my experiences and connections to both of them. The first workshop that I gave with the New Zealand PPDA I, my heart was in my mouth, and I was I was frightened to yeah. be to be a, a visible <laughs> member of of the rainbow community in yeah. front of people. But now that you know, each time you take a chance and step into it, I feel rewarded in the difference that I'm able to make. And in that first time, where it was reasonably hostile context to school staff room, I challenged their values, and I got some negative pushback. One teacher came up to me afterwards and said we needed to hear that because of a really vulnerable group of kids we had at our school. So, like, that's the payoff. And I believe that as teachers, we have real power in what we say, what we do, how we act. So um, we do have a responsibility to lean in, to step into that, if we feel that we're safe to. So your role at Ormiston Senior College is you're a deputy principal? And you're the deputy principal of 
Oranga, like well-being. That's, that's right. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that role? And because it's a new role for the school. Yes, a new role for the well, a new role for me. I'm I'm a green DP, so excited to be moving into the second year of doing that. And it's a school in a state of change and growth, massive change and massive growth. We mirror Flatbush, which is our community, in that there's huge population influx, so we're growing with them. So. Part of the job that we've done at the school is, is figure out how we can better support the health and well-being of our students. And we've made some, yeah, some really thoughtful and positive changes. So one of the questions I was going to ask you about that, so you spoke about that huge growth in your school. I think you said you went from 900 students to 1,200 and then looking at 1,400 for next year. Yeah, so that's a jump in a year and then, yeah, looking wow. at 1,400 and then in the next in the near future to 3,000. So 3,000 students. I can't even fathom that. <laughs> well, I, I'm from Motueka, so that's uh, that's crazy numbers yeah. to me. Yeah. But I guess what I was quite taken by was that you've been trying to build wellbeing approach that's going to scale with the number of students that you have. So you're able to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've built in to help that scale up as the growth of your population happens. Yeah, well, it's figuring out what you want is those kind of that that strategic foundation and for me it was is using te wharatapawha or te wharatabarima as the check to be a holistic thriving young person at our school I'd like us to use that as a lens so not only use it as a lens for growth and development but also as a lens for review so that we can we don't miss anything because in Great change <laughs> sometimes comes periods of great haste, but also, mm. you know, and it's, it can be overwhelming. So having something that is simple, effective, is based in who I am, who we are as a school and who we are as a country is, is vital. I've only used Te Wharatapa Rima as a personal tool. The four Ps, just to give it some organisational depth, it was policy, thinking about how you get the board on, that we make sure that it connects into some of the big strategies and overall plans of the school, and then thinking about people, how you staff that, so we don't have empty titles, that we give, pe we give people time and, and remuneration to do that, and then figuring out how it works in our place and in our practice. So it's been an adventure over the last year, Carl. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned too that, that you've had to deal with a little bit of pushback in your school from Kaiku because change is hard. Change is hard and to be vulnerable is to be is to be truthful and it's been hard and things have gone well and things have gone badly, you know. Um, and I think that in spaces like this it's really important and gives us a chance to step back and just look at you know how far we've come and what we are doing so yeah there is pushback no one likes change but I guess we're getting better at showing why and where to because one thing we can count on is that there is going to be change because you don't grow from a school of of 12 to 3 without some type of change right but I guess it's making sure that we are better at showing how we're going to do that and because if you don't can't see yourself in that change mm. then you're not a part of it right and then that's it's frightening it's frightening to be in part of an organization where you can't see yourself you don't know where you're heading so i guess that's a 
it's a real important learning for me and um, reflecting. I used to go and listen to a guy called Marco Torres and he taught at San Fernando High in LA. Wow. And uh, he was a real digital pioneer working with Latino kids from yeah. very poor backgrounds. And he always had a, a wedle that he used to issue to the teachers that he spoke to, which was, you may not like the word change, but you'll like the word irrelevant even less. <laughs> I know. We each need to find our place so mm. that we continue to stay relevant. So one of the things that you talked about too was the importance of having your very clearly defined roles and having clarity around who does what. So as you've built your teams and as you've built it to the point where it will scale, tell me a little bit more about how you've made sure that those roles working and how you've evolved them over time. It's continuing and it's hard and that was the most challenging part because while the team is working they're struggling with without role clarity and the tension and the confusion that that brings so i'll make that really clear but what was also important is the decision to co-construct that over the time we've changed the way that we focus our kind of formal pastoral structures from being um, a more teacher team leader base to a student focused kind of kinder base. So we're still working on role clarity. Over a year's worth of minutes, you'll see that comes up in intentionally every meeting and working to define that. And there's been some really hard, challenging moments where people don't share the same vision for the role that they're undertaking. That's one, one step forward, two steps back sometimes, but determined to keep on working to find that role clarity because from that will come that scalability and I don't really want to have to keep restructuring a school you kind of want to re you want to scale that so you want to make sure that's future focused and that's lots of buzzwords in one sentence but it really is important that you that we our structures grow with us mm. yeah rather than have to change them all the time. And what were some of the issues that came from being a lack of clarity around roles? Duplication or lack of autonomy. If you don't know what you're doing, it can feel like when you're told what to do, it's being able to let go of the control freak as well and going, well, actually, you need autonomy in that because we all contribute to how things work. We don't all want to do the same thing. We all have our part to play. Hey, thank you so much, Naimihi um, Kua It's been so awesome to sit here and talk to you in this little caravan. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just carry on doing what you're doing. Oh, kia ora kawa. Always a pleasure to record it all. Tēnā koutou. You've been listening to a Tātai Ahorau Core Education Podcast. Mm-hmm.